0: Welcome to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, where our goal is to connect listeners to the great outdoors with hosts Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. I'm
1: host Ben Brandell, owner of Meant to Be Outdoors, instructor of outdoor skills, and passionate about personal
0: growth. I'm host Brian Hoffmeyer, wildlife biologist and avid outdoorsman. Welcome back to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. I'm your host Brian with my co host Ben Brandell, and today's episode is all about creek fishing. I do have a few housekeeping things I want to talk about before we dive into the podcast. If you guys are listening on your favorite platform, maybe it's Spotify or Apple Podcasts, whatever it may be, please do us a favor and leave us a review. We want to know how we're doing. Not only that, it helps us to move up the charts so other people can find our podcast and help us to grow as well. Also, we have a Facebook podcast podcast group so it's called the meant to be outdoors podcast q a if you join that uh it's everybody else that listens to the podcast and we have discussions on there we post some pictures and videos that we don't post on other platforms and of course follow us on all our social platforms facebook instagram and tiktok as well that helps grow our page, and helps you follow along with everything we're doing outside of the podcast. Before we dive into everything about creek fishing, Ben, we need to give thanks. We just had 4th of, yes, of July. Yes. Happy belated 4th of July. Yes. Happy 4th to everybody out there. Happy Independence Day. Hey, what day is 4th of July on?
1: Oh, shoot. I'd have to look it up on my calendar. <laughs> my uh, my phone usually tells me that stuff.
0: Sorry. I, I didn't <laughs> mean to interrupt you. Thanks like that.
1: No, thanks a lot. Yeah. Okay. When we say freedom, you know, we... I, I don't think people stop and really think about the freedom we have. And the other day uh, doing the fourth with family and uh, I was praying over the family before we ate and I was really just thanking God for our freedoms that we could meet as a group of people, talk about what we wanted to talk about, eat what we wanted to eat, shoot off the fireworks that we wanted to shoot off. And we got to buy them for from where we wanted to buy them. I mean, the list, it, it continues to go on and... And however, we do have, you know, things coming down the pipeline that could restrict us to do some things in the future. But right now, our freedom, we are free. And I'm just so thankful for that. Thank you to God. Thank you for the men and women that have um, sacrificed to make that happen. And then thank you to everyone that continues to believe in. our country and what freedom is.
0: Yeah, and, and I'm my thanks is going to have to kind of go along the, the those lines and echo that sentiment, but I am thankful that I live in the United States of America. I'm thankful that we get to celebrate the 4th of July. Are there other great countries in this world? Absolutely. There's also some really not great countries. However, a Bible verse comes to my mind and we are so spoiled to live where we live. I love where I live, not even in the just in the United States, but here in the Ozarks. I, I love it here. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for uh, God placing me here. And it's the credit is only to him. I can only give the credit to God. But I, I think of Philippians 4.13. It is often taken incredibly out of context. And the verse is, so many have heard it, even non-Christians, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And the verse is is really a verse of contentment, a a verse that I can find joy no matter where I am and what I'm doing. And and that's really what Paul was saying, because I believe he was in a prison cell when he said that. It isn't about the actual strength that God gives us. It's that we can find joy in him no matter where we are. So I think there are people that find probably more joy and happiness than I do in far worse conditions because of God's grace. But at the same time, I can't help um, but be thankful for where God has placed me. And that really is what I am thankful for today. But just remember that we really can be content and joyous and thankful no matter where we are.
1: Yeah, I'll just add in. I think it's sometimes easier to be content when you don't have anything. When you have everything, like I'm telling, like I've been sharing, like we have anything and everything that we want Almost all the time. I mean, yeah. anybody that lives The in second
0: we don't have what we want, then we boo-hoo a little bit. Right. I do.
1: Right. And then we lose that contentment, like you're talking about. Right. And that's that's where my thanks comes in, of just even to the level of being able to speak to your family open and freely without mm-hmm. um, being locked up and going to, to jail. Like, that's it's just, yeah, it's awesome, man.
0: Right. You know, Ben, our last podcast, we talked about a whole bunch of of outdoor activities that people can go do with their families in the summer, and we mentioned in there creek fishing. We mentioned it is one of our favorites. So we're going to dedicate an entire episode mm-hmm. just to creek fishing. You and I went creek fishing. You've been out creek fishing with your family recently. We creek fish every summer since we were yeah. honestly since I could walk. Right. Since I could walk and hold right. the fishing pole, I've been I've been fishing creeks, um, and I'm so excited to share just something that we love, something that, that we're unified over with everybody, and I really hope that that people take something to go give it a try, even if it's just encouragement, something they've done in the past, and we're encouraging them to go do it.
1: Yeah, the reason I want to share and talk about this is because um, on my Facebook feed, I've been seeing a lot of people this year taking pictures with their families at the creek. Now, I don't know what creeks they're going to. I don't know what bodies of water they're at, but you can tell there's water behind them, and they're on gravel, and it's like they're swimming and playing and I want to stress that most people don't realize that you can fish in the creek Mm. and that's why I'm so excited to talk about it matter of fact while I was at the creek fishing there were some people that were asking me questions like oh you can actually catch fish out of here you bet and that's why I can't wait to talk about it
0: yeah before we really get into fishing though we got to define a creek.
1: Oh, oh man. <laughs> well, How I will been, say... It's only been going on a couple of weeks. I
0: say all, all the listeners should know <laughs> this is a topic of much debate in the meant to be office. Mm. In the studio and at the creek and maybe in the truck zone. Yeah. <laughs> maybe on the phone a little bit. Right. What is a creek has been a so uh, you controversial think, topic. So you think we're going to clear that up here on the podcast? Uh, I think we're each going to share our sides. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right. Sounds good. So, what is a creek to you, Ben Brandell? Well, I first want to read what a definition is. I think that's where we need to start. What, what the definition is? What dictionary.com says. Okay. And just start with that. So, dictionary on Google, the first one that pops up, uh, says a stream, brook, or minor tributary of a river.
0: Hmm. Yep. So Merriam-Webster says a natural stream of water normally smaller than and often tributary to a river. Okay, so then so it's not a river. We're right. We're, we're agreeing on we that. We agree that it's it not isn't river. a river. Right. Okay.
1: Exactly. But then I have to. to what's a tributary? Because that's that's what they're keying okay. this off of. Okay. So. Now, on dictionary.com, I look up tributary, and it says a river or stream flowing into a larger river or lake. So we know it has to be smaller than a river. Right. Okay. And we know that it's flowing. Okay. Because it's been stating that a couple times. Okay. So So
0: I want to read. This is from Field and Stream. Uh, Field and Stream is a a long-going written publication, of course, online now, as everything is in today's world. So I want to read how one of their writers defines a creek, and then Ben, I would like you to respond. I cannot. Are you ready? Yes. While it varies by region and depends on who you ask, my definition of a creek is a small to medium-sized body of flowing water at the mercy of seasonal conditions. In other words, there is no spring feeding it or keeping it cool year-round. Stay in your chair, Ben. (laughs) in your chair safe per, for perhaps a bump in traffic that it receives when a trout stocking occurs during the spring it's not a destination or world class fishery
1: okay so when we started this a couple weeks ago this debate we had you said well Ben you're defining it for you mm-hmm. and that was the point because Field and stream just defined it for them person, because for them because yeah. when you look this up no one no one can define a creek or river. And help understand the difference and here's where i am defining it for me and for all my listeners out there
0: no this is for you
1: (laughs) okay so So, i'm gonna
0: bring in a little biology yeah i am too i am too i am
1: not a a certified biologist but i'm here to to share some facts here all right so (laughs) you have taught me brian that when we see water when we see water it's it's the expression of the water table Correct. So that's what that is. So when you see a river, you see an expression of the water table, and it goes up and down because of the expression of the water under the ground. Right. So there will always be water at the lowest areas, and it's under the ground, and as it as it expresses itself, we see that.
0: Yep. Lowest point of ground, highest point of water table. So
1: my definition of creek is when it's fed by a spring. I believe that a creek has to do with the water temperature and size, of course, but it's spring-fed because you also have areas in the country where you have water not coming from the water table. It's being melted from the mountaintops. And as it's coming down, it may even meet with springs too, which springs turn into creeks, creeks turn into rivers, and rivers feed into lakes. And so by my definition, if I'm going to go to a creek, what I'm defining as is it's going to be spring fred, it's going to be cold, and it's going to be clear and small that you can't even really put a A boat on it. No vessel can go on them. Besides, yeah, that's what I'm going to go with. What you got?
0: I'm going to say that you're spoiled and you've lived in the Ozarks your whole life because you just described like the ideal creek. And I would agree that what you just described is a creek. However, I would say you're being exclusive.
1: If it is not Spring Fret, then it's a river.
0: Okay. So what... I, I want to address you said it was clear mm-hmm. what makes a stream clear
1: uh, cooler temperatures and lots of oxygen N- so it it can't be cold if it's got stuff in it then it's going to be warmer Sun will warm it up which means it has less oxygen
0: but what but what makes the stuff in it well how's the stuff get in it
1: well when it's a river and you have an expression of your river it's going to be pulling it from all of your we're going to call it soil because right. it's not dirt. It's pulling soil. It's pulling what is being expressed through.
0: So the word is substrate. Whatever water is flowing over a substrate, is mm-hmm. going to pull. So here in the Ozarks, our substrate is rock. And we have areas that are <clears throat> rock. It's rock. No, pretty well, much.
1: there's areas that water is flowing over and through and by soil, but it isn't making it
0: muddy. Our substrate, the bottom of our river... Our riverbeds are mm. what? It, uh, They're rocks. It depends. 99% rocks. You, okay. you may have little patches of sand or, or dirt that's falling in off the bank here and there. Okay. And if you walk through that, it is going to get muddy and stirred up. Right. If you go to areas of our country, anywhere in the world, that has a different substrate, may it be loamy, sandy soil, or mud, or you mentioned the other day, there's even places where the water is copper. Yeah, Your water color is going to be different, and sometimes it's going to be highly turbid.
1: But even though it was copper, I could still see the bottom. I could still see crawdads moving along the bottom. I could see through it. A river, I cannot see through it. I can see through a creek.
0: A river, you can't see through it?
1: Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, I cannot see when I'm... When so
0: if you're in six feet of water in the James River...
1: I would have no idea if there's a crawdad crawling around or... You a, could see through it. No, not like you can a
0: creek. Oh my God. No way. And now here's
1: the definition of a spring. People need to know what a spring is. Because a spring is not the expression of the water table. It's different. And so a spring occurs when water pressure causes a natural flow of groundwater onto the earth's surface. And that's where I'm saying that's the start of a creek. That's where that's where you get the start of a creek is at the, the head of a spring. Okay. That's that's where I'm at. That's my definition. That's
0: that's what I got. That's your definition. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, if a wa- if a creek a small, narrow flowing water. Flowing, is flowing. Not picking my rain and it's murky mm-hmm. and flowing into a river, what you can actually pick up and see some of these from satellite imagery where a muddy creek is flowing into a clearer river. That's not a creek.
1: Well, that usually comes from like a rainstorm. I've never seen a spring.
0: But that's what I'm telling you, you never, because you're spoiled here in the Ozarks. But I'm ne-
1: you're telling me here in the United States there are springs that are bubbling mud. Not
0: Th- bubbling. They're, they're but,
1: bubbling a substrate that's but just. Now
0: you are taking your definition and making exclusive, saying that every creek has to have a spring and arise from a spring. Well, because if not, what is it? That's what I'm asking you. <laughs> what is I just it? defined.
1: I told you what it's it is. It's a, sm-
0: a creek. Here is the truth. Oh, okay. A creek is a small, flowing body of water. It doesn't matter the temperature. It doesn't matter the color. Because there is no other term or word for these other other things that exist. You're just exclusifying creeks that you've experienced and pulling them out.
1: Well, why wouldn't they all just be rivers then? Because they could be. Because they're small. It has to do with size. Well, that's what it talked about here. The two different definitions we looked at are basically saying <laughs> the same thing. It's one flowing water flowing into another flowing water that might be a little bit bigger.
0: It, ha- it has to do with size
1: because when we defined lakes in one of our past podcasts, really what helped us define a lake is the depth and where the sunlight stopped. Right. Where, I would, the where,
0: depth. where I would strongly disagree with this field and stream article. Is that it's not fed by springs? I that and
1: that's where I'm really taking, and that's that's where I was getting my um, defense but, from.
0: But it's not exclusive, right? And I get that I'm because what do what do you people call these areas that flow only in the spring? What do we call them?
1: That they flow only in the spring?
0: Yep, they flow Losing down. streams. They call them wet weather.
1: Oh, sp- creeks. Yeah. Wet-weather we'll creeks. But see, for me, though, that would be more in the definition of what I'm trying to give you of, like, that's where the expression from the water table is coming. It's not from an already flowing source like a spring.
0: Well, a spring is an expression of the water so like Roaring River.
1: Right. Ro- Roaring River is, is always blowing my mind because, to me, it's just a creek. Because when you go to Roaring River here locally in Castle, Missouri, it all starts with a spring. And it's coming up out of this cave. And they've dammed it up, so you have this big pool. But you have thousands and thousands and thousands of gallons of water pushing through there and to me that's all a creek until you get down to where that water gets warmer and you can feel it you can feel right. the difference in it in your feet you feel you even see the different species of
0: fish i think why they don't call roaring river a creek is because it flows directly into the lake mm. so it's almost okay. like a creek is like that tertiary so yeah. you've got your lake you've got your river And then whatever's flowing into that river would be your creeks
1: yeah and there's something in here that hasn't been defined that um when you and i went to the 11 point Mm -hmm. we were up where there were springs coming in and this water was so cold that it was mainly trout Mm -hmm. we did not catch any fish until we started reaching warmer temperatures in that water and for me when we're talking about warmer temperatures that's river in my mind and again it could be whatever color it could be a little bit muddier it could be more green it could be more clear but for the most part, when I go to a creek, really anywhere, even when I went up with uh, some friends up north, when we went up to what they called the creek, it was coming out of the they called the mountainside, you could still see every step you were taking. You know, you could yep. see that because it was shallow enough, it was clear enough. Um,
0: so it has a lot to do, too, with the riparian zones and how they're managed. Ooh, yeah. So if, if you've ever seen a lot of farmers, and, and uh, this happens around croplands, there'll be creeks flowing through their properties and they're using this for irrigation and water well because they're farming all the way up to them those creeks are muddy right they have color they have stained water in their creeks now if you go to places that are wooded and have full riparian zones and full ecosystems for 100 200 yards on either side generally those are crystal clear right and we get a lot of that in the Ozarks we really do
1: you know and also you are going to have different substrate wherever you go, and you're going to have that in your water. But when we're, when when I'm defining a creek, I'm not talking about right after a flood. I'm, I'm saying it's a consistent flowing source that is clear. Matter yep. of fact, it, it confuses people because they think they can drink it. They'd likely just lay down and drink that water because it's it's clear. And I found that all over the country. It's, it's, most of these springs aren't bubbling. They're not bubbling just uh, mud. They're not bubbling mud. They're not. I, they look I, like you I'm could done, drink
0: from them. I'm done with the bubbling mud comment. Why? The conclusion is that the definition of a creek, what a creek is to you, it's subjective. It is. It's, it's subjective. That's so right. what, a, what a creek is to you is a creek to you. We are going to define it today as a small body of water that is flowing, and maybe you could put a kayak on it, maybe not. I'll that's going take gonna, that. That's going to that. be our definition for like the podcast it. today, but do know that- it's subjective. It is. And I'll give you this. There are creeks that I, on a map, are named such and such creek. And then you go to them and drive over them on a bridge, and they will be named the same name, but river.
1: Right. We've also found- It's subjective. It is. We've also found areas that said creek, and we've showed up and there's no creek. hmm I mean, we actually, you and I were looking at buying some land. Yep. And it showed that a creek ran through the property- <laughs> And, uh, and we
0: walked every <laughs> we walked, acre of that 184 oh, man. It, acres. It, 100, yeah, there, there was, was no whole, creek.
1: There was no creek. So so sometimes when they say creek, there's just no water at all. Right.
0: <laughs> How do you define that? <laughs> Again, it's subjective. We're going to be talking about fishing, small bodies of water that are mainly wade fishing, a little bit of swimming, and maybe maybe you can put a kayak in them um, in, in isolated areas that have a little more water than some of the other areas.
1: Let us know what you think. We would love to hear your side. Hiss up on Facebook. I
0: think that needs to be a. We'll we'll put that on our our podcast Q and A page. Love it. What is a creek? Let's hear your definition. What do you think of? Let's do whenever it. you hear a creek? All right, Ben. Now that we have that settled, I guess it's, <laughs> it's sure. not really settled. Yeah, sure. But now that we're moving on from trying to define what a creek is, why are we doing this topic right now? Like it it is. The peak of summer, why did we choose this podcast topic for this 4th of July week?
1: Well, there are a lot of people that that do go to the waterways when it gets as hot. Um, not everyone's fortunate enough to have a city pool, and especially where we live, a lot of folks go to the waterways, whether it be the creek or the river or the lake. And the reason we're talking about creeks and fishing them is because, for me personally, when I go, I take a rod and reel. I always take it to the creek, and I think some people... May see this area as there's really not a whole lot of fish right. in it. It's just a little tiny thing of water coming through here, right? And I want to share that that is not correct. You can catch some really nice fish, um, even just fun multiple species fish, um, within a day trip.
0: Yeah. Well, we we went recently. It was mm-hmm. 98 degrees. It was like, well, what the heck do we do? Like, we we'll go to put the bass boat in and go to the lake. Oh, it's a holiday. Week there's gonna be people everywhere. It's a hundred degrees. <laughs> you're just gonna bake out there. I said, yeah, we could be out there finding shade. And you're like, there's no shade out there anywhere right now. <laughs> yeah. So what better thing to do than than to go to the creek? Because right. even when it's a hundred degrees, I'll say this: I was comfortable. Right. I was comfortable. Yep. You, you. There are things obviously you can get in, um, and usually the water is cool. You can hunt shade. Mm-hmm. Um, wear the right clothing. You're. You're close to the water. You're either in it or in a kayak that's right there on it. And you really can make it enjoyable even though it's scorching hot.
1: Yeah. You can even take clothing that you're wearing and get it wet and put it on. That will cool you down a whole lot too. Yeah. Like your hat. Something, Brian, I do when you can't get out of the sun is dip it. Dip that hat in the water and slap it back on your head. And mm. it, it cools you down. It feels good. The, mm-hmm.
0: It does feel good. Let's sit let those cold drips run yeah, down your spine. Yeah, exactly. it feels good. It even gives you a little bit of a, a chill, even though it's 100 degrees outside. Really, for me, I think of the creek like when it's so stinking hot, there's not really anything enjoyable to do outdoors. Like even golf, it's too hot. Bass fishing on the boat's too hot. Picnics at the park, it's too hot. Frisbee golf, it's too hot. Excuse me. disc golf, it's too hot. I don't want to get anybody riled up there. <laughs> disc golf uh it's just really too hot to do anything it's never too hot for the creek it is like the perfect thing for those too hot days and i'm saying that with quotations because it's not too hot
1: no it's perfect and and most of the time a creek that you visit is going to be cool water it isn't going to be super warm at at the you know top two feet so you got cool water that you're getting to keeping you cool and it provides opportunities for play uh, not only playing with the water, but learning what lives in it with your family and, and especially when you take the
0: kids. All right. You decide you're going to the creek mm-hmm. and and your family is better at, um, your family is more spontaneous than mine. Like you guys will just be, let's go. be at the house and say, you know what, let's go to the creek. Perfect day for it. Let's go. So say you make that decision of a morn, let's go to the creek. What What do you need to consider? If people are going to do the same thing, what do we need to be thinking about to go have a, a day at the creek? That's why I think you and I teach survival everywhere we go. We
1: ensure that we're taking food, fire, shelter, water, even though that's not something that I yell out loud and say, hey, everybody, everybody got their food, fire, shelter, water? But that's where my mind goes because <laughs> I want to take food. Hey,
0: kids. Hey, kids. <laughs> so you got your, yeah.
1: But it is something good for you when you're packing. If you don't have a list of what you want to take, ensure that you're taking one you know an item that's going to cover those four things and so we do take um we take food and a lot of times the areas that we have access to we have permission to go to we can make a little campfire so that's our option if you can't make any kind of campfire you may need to go get a little cooker you know jet boils there's all kinds of msr there's all these little pocket rocket stoves you can get something that you can not only cook over but you can boil and cook food in um so it depends on what your food options are where you're going but that is that is that kind of first thought of: Am I eating while we're there? Yeah. If at the end of the day all you can take is snacks because you don't own a cooker, you don't. Then take snacks. Take some f- f- carrots.
0: Take graham crackers. Take. Or fix a sandwich.
1: Fix yeah, fix a sandwich before you go. But that is something that we enjoy to do. We make a little twiggy fire and we roast hot dogs.
0: It's so fun to cook. Like it, mm-hmm. it's a whole other element cooking right. while you're out there on on the gravel ball. Cooking on the gravel bar, wherever it is. You mentioned the little Pocket Rocket, the little cook stoves. Again, we don't have any brand partners yet. No. But I have to shout this one out. This okay. is a, a Ozark Trail, which is Walmart's brand. Yeah. We have got these. Uh, we have several of them now. We've been using them. Totally impressed. Mm-hmm. And that is their version of the the Pocket Rocket, their little camp cooker. It's a single cooker. It literally fits in the palm of your hand. It comes in a nice little pouch. What I love about it, it's only $13. It has its own igniter in it, so you don't have to have a lighter or matches or ferro rod. It has its own igniter. And it also has an adapter that it runs off of two different type of fuels. And so few of them do that. Right. They either only run off the isobutane or they only run off of propane. And this one has an adapter that you can run it off of either type of fuel tank. And for $13, you can't hardly beat the thing. No,
1: it's... it's. And well, they cook really well. They do. We've used them. They do. No, they do. And and it comes with its own carrying case. It comes with... Whenever you screw your, uh, your fuel canisters on... Sometimes, depending on where you're camping or cooking at, the ground's really uneven and unsteady. And and so it comes with uh, a fuel canister holder that you can- Yeah, stand. um, A stand, there's the word. Yeah. And so it's just, it really is convenient, especially for the price. And like you said, it works.
0: Yeah. So check Walmart camping aisle, outdoor aisle, whatever that calls, call it at your local Walmart. It's just the little single pocket cooker, camp cooker. Yeah. I would definitely definitely recommend those.
1: And so when you ask me what to take, that's really where mine goes first is, is that food? Um, are we going to be eating? Are we making a picnic style, making lunch here and taking it with us? Or am I making it when I get there? Right. And and that's kind of where I start packing. You know, uh, the first creek trip we took this year, I took, uh, it's called the fry bake. It's basically a skillet, a lightweight backpacking skillet. And I took one of my cookers and uh, I had defrosted some hamburger, actually, it defrosted on the way there. By the time we ate, it, it defrosted. It <laughs> 100 degrees. Hang yeah. on. And I, uh, I patted out some hamburgers. We made some skillet hamburgers, and that's what I had. The second time we went, I didn't take any of that. We took some stuff for hot dogs, and mm-hmm. you know, we made a little tiny fire, and we roasted uh, hot dogs. Yeah, so, it's
0: fun. And just consider who's going with you. You yeah. know, if you're if you're taking your family, I would suggest taking taking some food. Everybody's gonna have more fun and feel better if they're fed. They are. At least to have the option there. Ben, when you and I just go together, maybe some snacks, maybe not. Right. I don't like to stop casting long enough <laughs> to eat. <laughs> right. So, yeah. but just that peace of mind that I've got some snacks back there. Well, Matter he, of fact, I didn't take anything and you shared your snacks I with did. me last time. I did. I hooked you up. <laughs> and I fished while I was eating them because mm-hmm. I couldn't stop, man. You know,
1: if you're going to prepare your food um, while you're there, then always take s'mores for the kids. Even if you don't like them, it's fun to roast a marshmallow eat them raw, whatever. But take that,
0: those things with you. It makes it for a fun um, lunch trip. So if you've got food covered, those are some things to consider. Yes. I want to say this about drinks. It is fun to have the Cokes and the Dr. Peppers and the Gatorades and Capri Suns and all that and bring them. But please make sure you bring water mm-hmm. and that everyone is drinking enough water. It is very, very easy in a cool creek. To lose track of how much water you drink and get dehydrated. You're swimming, you don't really feel that thirsty. Make sure you are making people take water breaks. If they're having a coke or Doctor Pepper, make sure they follow that with water or have a water in between. Don't just bring all sugary drinks. Have some water ready and make sure people are staying hydrated because in this heat, even though you're in the cool water, it can get dangerous pretty quick. Okay. Yeah.
1: And that water, that's that's the other thing is After food, then I throw in my cooler. I throw bottles of water. Um, Let's see, the first trip I took, I actually took my filter, and I filtered water out of the creek, and then I boiled it, um, and that's what I made some of my food with. Um, But then that filtered water that I had, um, you can also add some purification tablets, and you could drink that. So... That is an option if you have all that fun stuff. If you don't, then bring it from home. Bring it in. I mean, you can yeah. even stop it, come and go. I saw that they sell gallons of water. You can right. buy half gallon and or gallon put a cam- and Camelback. Bring
0: a cooler. Whatever. Whatever, whatever you're going you to do, just make sure people have water. access to fresh, clean water and people are drinking it. Another kind of safety thing to consider: bring something. This is your shelter side whether it's clothing or some people bring the little pop-up sunshades. I've seen people put those up on the gravel bars all the time. Have a place that people can get out of the sun. Again, with the cool water, you can get sunburnt just like that. Yeah. Whether you're going to do sunscreen. I personally, we've mentioned this before. I like the hooded fishing shirts. And maybe I'll put a little sunscreen on my on my kneecaps so my kneecaps don't get burnt. But I like to just stay covered up with good summer clothing.
1: Yeah, you know what we took we we took a canopy. We popped one up because I knew the area that I was going that around from about ten to kind of that four o'clock, maybe three o'clock. The canopy, the the trees, they do not provide shade in this area that we're at. And so, if we want shade, we have to take it. Um, You know, something else you can take if you're like Ben, I can't afford a canopy, don't have one. You can get an umbrella. An umbrella get two or three but prop them up it allows uh, for you and your kids to have some shade in those non-shady areas
0: yeah string up a tarp do whatever you have to do to to have some some uh some relief from that sun Mm -hmm. even makes a great place to take a nap oh if you've got toddlers two three four years old (laughs) you know naps are important naps are important for dads sometimes little shady spot by the creek mm, you can have a nice 20 minute power nap
1: so now that you have your shelter, your food, your water covered, that fourth one that I talked about, fire, do you need to take it with your food? Do you have it? That's situational. Just depends on which plan is there. And then right. that's when we get into now packing the fun stuff.
0: Well, yeah, there, there's the fun stuff. And for me, before you really are ever going to have any of the fun, I, I want to stay in the right mindset because honestly, Ben, my heart can be kind of ugly sometimes. Mm. And uh, just being transparent. Yeah. I'll get down there and there'll be other people and I don't like what they're doing or I don't even like that they're there. And it ruins my attitude. And I have to kind of remember most of the places that you go to the creek, if it's a public area, they have just as much right to be there mm-hmm. enjoying that spot as I do. Yeah, they do. If and it's a public because area, Because they want yes. to enjoy it differently. Yeah. Um, and, again, respect Man. It's tough. Here's an example. If you're so, going to demand respect from them, you should be respecting them, too.
1: Well, and it's tough. Uh, the very last trip that we went on to the creek this year, um, thankfully, it was we were about to leave. So it worked out really well. But there were some um, younger adults. They didn't act like adults, but younger adults that showed up next to us. And um, their mouth, man, they, they were saying a lot of things that i didn't want my kids to hear and so thankfully we were on our way out anyway and we just left a few minutes early because um, if not i probably would have i probably would have had to gently go down there and, and ask them to be careful what they're saying please uh, and be considerate of that um hopefully if if me doing that if they would have respected that then we wouldn't have had any problems if we would have then i wouldn't have let it escalate i would have went home i would have taken my kids and and removed them from from the things they were talking about, they didn't need to hear about all that stuff and, and all the words they were saying.
0: Yeah, and for me, for some reason, it always comes down to fishing. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, you and I when we went last, um, there was a a shoal where the water gets shallow and runs through fast, and these small bass I could see had pushed bait fish up into the the V of this shoal, mm-hmm. and these. Bait fish didn't want to get pushed down through the shoal, so they were fighting and splashing, and the bass were trying to ambush them. And I'm I'm off to the side, and I'm casting up there, mm-hmm. casting downriver, casting up downriver towards where this is happening, trying to catch fish. Well, as I'm doing that, a, a gentleman is walking upriver. I'm standing in the river. I'm waiting. He's walking up, and he kind of looks, and he sees me, and I kind of just give him a little little finger wag like hey I acknowledge hey I see you, and he kind of just looks at me for a second and then he grabs his rod and he just casts about four feet from I just cast and I thought huh and I wanted to say well I'm not going to say what yeah. I wanted to say yeah. but I stopped myself and I just said you know what this is public a public space that is not something I would do to him but he he does have the right to be where he is just as i do where i am and i said hey how you doing today and he said pretty good how are you and i said i'm fishing i'm good right and he made another couple casts or two and he went on about his way could i have been could i have returned rude with rude i absolutely could have and this is where my heart's ugly i really wanted to (laughs) Yeah, I. I, I, I really I, I wanted to that. say, what the yeah. heck are you doing?
1: You know, I had a similar situation, but we were at the creek. Uh, we weren't, you know, uh, we're, technically we're in an area. Uh, I have 100% permission to be there. Like, know the guy; he's said you you can go there. Most of the people that are showing up don't, but this guy that owns this area is so generous that he lets people just come and go, and that's that's so awesome. I, I'm s- so cool. I wish that. I hope that one day I have a spot that I can do the same thing he's doing. Um, but anyway, he allows me to be there. And so while I was there fishing with, with my son and his friend, we had some some people pull up, walk down, and they walked right in between, literally me and my son fishing, walked in between us and waded out into the water. With, <laughs> while our lines are in the water, we're fishing. They waded into the water and walked all the way out into the deep end.
0: But I, so, think, I think before they walked out there, they said, hey, don't you know you shouldn't fish there? The better fishing over there. That is the full story. Just that, a nonchalant, the, like, hey, I'm going story. to go sit there. Yes. He
1: was trying to m- tell me that the fish was better on fishing on either side of where they were going to, to sit down in the water. But <laughs> that isn't why I was sharing. I was sharing it that as a fisherman, I would say that if we put in some sort of what we call code of honor, we as the fishermen should be giving away to the swimmer. And so swimmer really should have priority in the creek. Fisherman should have a secondary, even though that hurts to my core to say that. But that is what that area is for, is swimming. And he could have handled it better. He could have asked, asked, hey, do you care if we go? He could have asked, but um, he didn't. He made his way through and started swimming. And so because of that, we withdrew from that area and we went to, to another spot and we, still, kept it. we still caught fish.
0: All right. Answer that honestly here. Yeah. What would you have answered had he been like, Hey man, this is this is where we swim. We love swimming right here. Do you mind if we go we're gonna go put our chairs right out there? Can we go out there? What would you have said?
1: I would have said, You betcha give me just a second, let me and my son get our lines out of the water. <laughs> because they literally walked through I'm really surprised we didn't hit them with our baits. Yeah. That's I mean they walked they walked right through it. Like how how did they not? I don't know, but that's on them, so but I would have definitely let them have that hole because they would have done what they did anyway. Right. So because they asked, I want to respect that. I want I want them to continue to do that the rest of their lives, to always ask instead of just going and doing.
0: Yeah. They might as well have just walked up to you and told you, hey, we're going out there, oh, yeah. so you better find someplace new.
1: Oh, that's literally what he did. He's like, these areas over here are better to fish at. See ya. <laughs> you know, and goes down and runs our fishing hole. But hey. Yeah.
0: What we're trying to say is don't be that person. Yeah. Don't be it. If you are that person, if you go out looking for a fight, you're going to find a fight. Oh well, yeah. yeah. So absolutely. don't don't be that person. Find a place to enjoy. If somebody wants to be like that, then let them be like that. It's more their problem than it is your problem. Uh, so go find a different place to enjoy, or or enjoy it with them together. Who knows? Maybe maybe you'll make a new friend. Um, one one note I want to throw out there before we really get into talking about how we fish. You know, we we keep telling you to take your family, take your kids. Ben, you mentioned taking your kids. I want to remind everybody: keep an eye on your kids at the creeks, because creeks are usually such a small body of water and shallow, and you can walk. It's easy to let your guard down, but it doesn't take much water to drown. And there's other risks too, like stepping on glass or mm-hmm. getting bit by a venomous snake. Uh, there's something on fishing
1: lures that are in the bottom i mean
0: there's a lot of risk so just keep an eye on your kids take them to the creek let them have fun let them explore and have some independence but just keep an eye on them. so
1: you ask what i take this is what when i'm loading for my kids this is what i take i ensure that they have something on their feet proper footwear so that when they're in the creek their feet are protected that would be what do you call proper when to
0: find that for us What's that now? What's an example? What do you calling proper footwear? What, what can people put on their kids?
1: Something that when you're walking through the water, it doesn't just fall off or can fall off. So if it straps along oh, the like top... Oh, like flip-flops. Well, flip-flops do come off the feet very easily. <laughs> um, they do, and they come I say off. say so. that
0: rather sarcastically.
1: Yeah, don't wear flip-flops. Yeah. That's not smart. If that's all your children has, that is better than going barefoot. I'll give you that. But um, you want something that's going to stay on the foot while they're walking and wading through this moving water, this flowing water. Um, second is make for sure you're taking a flotation device. Some people put on a full jacket. Some people wear the, the arm floats, yep. whatever you decide for your children, you get to decide, but make for sure that it will keep them afloat, especially the ones that can't swim. Um,
0: yeah, even if they can swim, they're not going to throw it, take it anyway so mm-hmm. that you can throw it to somebody in a rescue situation That's if true. you had to.
1: Because depending on where you go, there are areas in creeks that are deeper than, um, six feet. I've experience creeks that have big huge pockets big huge holes and uh even adults can go under it and not be able to stand up and keep their head above so take flotation um proper footwear and then like brian already talked about some sort of sunscreen some sort of way to to block that sun at some point um water for sure i've packed for them and that's ready to go and then i take a couple buckets uh you can take any kind of buckets if you have nets or or um, just those toys that they can play with in the water. Um, get the buckets where they find things, rocks and shells and, and tadpoles. Find, take things with them that they can throw those things in to look at play mm. and, and uh, uh, use, you yeah. know?
0: It's, I always load those up. It's not about just fishing for fish. You can be exploring and finding all kinds of stuff.
1: Something I've also, uh, it's my kids. I've never seen this in, in another group of kids, but my kids love to take goggles. Uh, they use goggles in the swimming pool, and they really like taking goggles to the creek because they can look underwater and explore under there. So, if you're able to, to get some goggles, little kid goggles from Walmart, do it. Uh, that adds to the fun.
0: All right. Ready for the meat and taters? Oh, well, let's get there. Let's, let's do talk it. about fishing in the creeks because that's really, like I said, it's hard for me to not think about that. You mentioned a lot of people look at these small little fish streams and don't even consider fishing because what could possibly live there in these small creeks? And you know what? There's not always a huge variety of species. Mm -hmm. The species that are there are not always big, but usually there's one or two big ones. Right. And usually they're non-pressured because people don't think and fish a whole lot. Mm -hmm. So you can do quite a bit of catching. You You, can set the hook and reel them in quite a bit on these creeks. Um, what are you taking? Like rod and reel wise? I mean, you're taking big bait casters, right. line baits. W- what are you actually taking to go target fish in a creek?
1: So you cannot forget this. Before you go, you have to make sure you have a fishing license. These areas are regulated just like any other waterway. So you have to have a fishing license, and you also have to know what species you can keep or not. I know some people think, oh, it's a little tiny fish. We can just throw it in the bucket and take it home. Listen, if it is a... If it's a largemouth that's three inches long, four inches long, you can't keep it. You, you can get, get in, trouble, in trouble, even if your kids are playing with it. So, here's an example. We caught some sunfish, and I think I caught four of them. My son caught a couple, and they put a couple of them in that freshwater bucket, and they got to watch them swim and play. That's okay. But guess what? I caught a goggle eye, and they wanted to throw it in the bucket. Well, in some areas, depending on where you go, there are restrictions yeah, and length, length limits. limits. Yeah. And so it wasn't long enough, so we let it go. So they got to play with the sunfish, uh, and we let the goggle eye go. So um, what am I taking to help catch those fish, though? Um, I love six-pound test in a in that clear, super clear water fluorocarbon. Dude, so, I know
0: some people go all the way down to, like, two-pound yeah. trout line. Yeah. Two, four, six test.
1: If the area is heavily pressured, then I would do something like that. But like Brian said, most of these places... These fish yeah. ain't been caught. There, they're, a lot of them have never even been caught. If you look at their mouths, they've never been caught uh, before. I,
0: I personally don't go any lower than six, but I know I know people that use two. Yeah,
1: yeah, you can, and 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 some people have. Uh, you know, six pound test works, and so because I like six pound test, I'm going to use a real small reel, a spinning reel. And I can fit quite a bit of six pound test on, you know, they call them like a 100 or a 1000 series. It really depends on the brand, but you're just getting a, a real low profile, small spinning, uh, spinning reel. And then I match that with, I do have a six foot rod, um, but it's a medium light. And that medium light allows me to, to do a lot more than, than using a heavy rods. Um, Brian kind of share, I think you use the same style. I think we have the same rod. Don't yeah, we, yeah, we do. Um why do you like that setup? What, why do you
0: use it instead of, um, you know, maybe even a micro light yeah, setup? Yeah, so ultralight fishing is really fun, which that's your like tiny little four or I think I have five foot or five and a half foot. These short little mm-hmm. rods. And I mean, they are so light and so flimsy. They are really fun to take to creeks. And that's what I usually would have younger kids like our sons use these, these ultralights because when you hook a six, seven inch fish, It's still a fight. You're still reeling something in on them. Mm -hmm. They're small. They're manageable for children. However, for me, I like the medium light or or medium light because when I'm throwing a bait uh, on the creek, I like to be able to skip it. And so when there's overhangs or rocks or logs and those fish that I'm going to say most people can't get to, I love being able to skip my bait and I've got to have a little backbone in my rod to be able to do that so i'm going to go with a six to six and a half foot either light or medium light rod and i'm throwing like a a 16th ounce or weightless Mm -hmm. bait Mm -hmm. these small little tiny baits
1: Mm -hmm. and that's
0: what i found that's that's
1: the bait that i took Uh, so here's what i put now that you know the rod the reel and the line size this is these are the lures that i like to take to the creek um you know, I take a, it's a little backpack. What do you call it, Brian? It's just a little sling pack. Yeah. You know, I take that with... I, chest pack, yeah. Yeah. I take a sling pack and I put everything I want to in it, especially my, my bait, because as I'm walking up and
0: down, um, if I want to be able to change, I want to do it right then and there. You don't so, need a whole bunch of options for oh, crew no. fishing. That's one of the great things. Uh-huh. I have went many times and I've only brought one, not one singular bait, but one type of bait. I may have three or four of the same thing, but I literally take just that thing. Yeah, well, here's here's what
1: I have in my in my box. I've got one little box that I put in my, in my little sling backpack, and inside it I have... I want to throw what's called a Ned Rig. I want to be able to throw a Ned Rig. I want to be able to throw what's called a Wacky, and then I, I like to also throw kind of a little small finessey what's called Texas Rig. And I have the hooks and the weights to do all of that. Mm -hmm. If I had to narrow it down and just pick one, I'm probably going to go with the Ned rig. If I could take two, then I would take what Brian Lilly just said, the Ned rig and that wacky rig, that wacky rig that has no weight so that I can skip that worm, throw it way up, up in the bush or up under that, that tree that's hanging out there to where it falls down and catch fish, you know, but I'm going to, prepare it for smaller fish. You know, you're, you may be catching smallmouth at the size of your hand. I mean, look at your hand. Anybody listening, look at your hand. That may be the length of, of the smallmouth in that area. They still thump it hard, and they still put up an awesome fight. I'm talking fun. But you're not going to be able to throw a big, huge 7-inch worm and expect that thing to…
0: Right. You're not throwing a half-ounce jig in there yeah. hoping to get a bunch of bites. So
1: you do have to downsize. So you're throwing either weightless… You know, you can get into 132nd of an ounce if you really think so. But for me, the area that I've been going to is pretty calm. And what I mean by that is the creeks are always moving, it's always flowing. But the rate of this flow where I'm at is really calm. And so when I'm throwing something weightless, it it falls like it's supposed to. You know, that wacky rigs, uh, Senko or stick bait it really falls like it's supposed to. As, a, as you move your way down the creek, though, it does pick up in flow rate. And I found that I have to throw maybe a 16th or an 8th ounce to start bringing that down from that top of the water floating down into that where where right, the fish are Right Before
0: it's flowed down 30 feet. Correct. Right. Yeah.
1: So you want to take, whatever baits you take, you want to be able to kind of cover the columns of water, maybe at the top, the middle, and then maybe the fish are only feeding off the bottom.
0: Yeah. You know, the Ned Rig... A wacky rig. I'm gonna echo all of that. I I love those. Something I do different than if I'm fishing on the lake is I use a little bit different colors. Yeah, that's a really good uh, point. On, yeah. on the creek, I actually there are some colors that I use on the creek that I don't use anywhere else. Yeah. I have them just use on the creek. Um, one that works really well for me um, with the Ned rig or even the Wacky rig. It's called Sweet Tater Pie. Um, it's kind of a black and I can't,
1: orange. I can't believe you just told the whole world that. That's like well, of your, course. Like your it's, secret, Brian. It's Ryan. sweet
0: tater pie. I'll even <laughs> tell you the, the only the only brand that I've ever even found is Strike King Shimmy Stick that makes this color. Some others... Best Pro makes it similar, I've found, but, but it's, it's not the same. it's too orange. It's It's different. too orange. Mm-hmm. The, this one is a dull orange. It's not bright, and it's got a lot of black mixed in. And the reason I like it is it looks just like a crawfish. Like it has the colors of the crawfish that are in a lot of these streams where, where we are. And I've tried it on bigger bodies of water in the lake and I don't do good on it. But for some reason on the Creek, like if I'm taking one thing, it's going to be that. And I always catch fish on that. I also have another, um, it's actually a, a drop shot bait mm. i don't use it for drop shot mm-hmm. fishing mm-hmm. but i saw it and i was like man it has a thicker body that could be used on a nethead it could be used as a Ned rig but it has a tail more of a swimming action so if i want something to fish a little faster or a current i use this and it's got this when you go to a creek there are bait minnows and fish and all kinds of different species of darters they're everywhere everywhere you go yeah And it has that profile and size and kind of that kick and that shimmy. And I only use that on creeks and do really well with it as well. I don't use it anywhere else. But I don't want to overlook super, super common, well-known creek fishing things. I've used them. I know some people, that's all they use. Things like rooster tails, which is just like a little single spinner, inline spinner bait. Um, Rooster tails are a creek fishing staple that you really can't forget. What's so awesome about them is they catch whatever's there. Like they catch all the species. You may catch sunfish, bass. I've caught catfish on them. Trout. If there's trout in there, like you'll, you'll catch whatever on them. So I don't want to leave that out. I don't fish them a whole lot anymore, but I know when I was a kid, I did. And a lot of people, it's just an easy thing to go get and tie on. And you really don't do anything with it except cast it out and reel it in. So it's kind of a foolproof way to go fish creeks. Uh, something that I think is really fun in the creeks. It's not great on those super hot days, except maybe if you get there early or late, but those little poppers, uh, uh, topwater fishing with little poppers can be great on the creek as well. I've also fly fished creeks before. You can go fly fishing, catch smallmouth on on fly rods or sunfish on fly rods. It's really fun to go fly fishing. Something I've never done that there was a guy down there doing the other day when you and I were down there, Ben. He had a big old long, like, Almost am say 14 foot long cane pole. And he was just dipping this cane pole out mm-hmm. and he had a tiny little like fly like bait on, but he was catching all kinds of sunfish and, and different little creek chubs and all kinds of stuff. And I don't know what he was doing with them. He was filling his bucket up, but that, that would be a really fun thing for kids to do.
1: That does sound fun. I haven't done that personally as well, but um, the fly fishing, that's, that is one that's really fun, especially to, to go out and, and kind of imagine I was in Colorado, like Fishing some of those small little well, I'm telling you, you hook into a smallmouth yeah. on a fly rod like
0: yeah. it, it. There's a there's a feat there. There's a challenge to be overcome.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't take rooster tails anymore. Um, if I was to do some rooster tails, I like the Vibrix a little better. They they seem to to well when a smallmouth slams into that thing and you reel it in, it kind of bends that shaft. So mm-hmm. like the Vibrix seems a little stronger for me when I'm doing it. But they have little tiny crankbaits. You know, Rebel's got. They look like bumblebees and and crawdads, and, you know, all those work really well, too. The reason that— On the creek. On the creek. Uh, On the creek, creek. yes. But the reason I stick to really soft plastics is, A, it's cheaper for me to buy in bulk, and, two, I found that my kids seem to fish it a little bit easier because— I'm less like they're less likely to get hung up on the rocks than when you start adding in some of those treble hooks so if you've got a treble hook on the end of your rod and the end of your line and um, you're letting a kid use it be ready to help them be ready to get them unhung um, because that does happen now with with the baits that we're taking out because these areas aren't pressured you really seems to to kind of be whatever you really like. But when you start getting into some pressured fish, I would really start looking at some of those finesse baits like you would use in the lake because they work so well. But a tip that I found me personally is I seem to catch more fish when I'm fishing upstream. So when I turn my body and throw it upstream and work that bait back to me, I do better than if I throw downstream and try to fish it back at me. I hope that makes sense. But that was something that I found um, a long time ago, fishing any of your moving water. Throw that bait up so that you have time to work it all the way back to you.
0: Yeah, the, the one exclusion to that would be for me, uh, you can use the current to your advantage. So say there's a, a root wad and water flowing into the root wad, you can throw your bait and then let the current so you're upstream and you're throwing down but you're letting the current take your bait into that root wad. Fish are positioned with their fate they're facing upstream. So they're letting bait and food come to them. Also, if they're sitting still and there's current in any kind of creek, they have to be facing upstream otherwise they're going to be getting swept away. So the side of the fish that bites, I don't know if everybody knows this, is the mouth. So that's where you want the lure to be. So if they're facing upstream, you need to be presenting that, base, uh, that bait to to their mouth, the the side their mouth is facing. That's good. So it's a good point, Ben. Ben, one piece of equipment, um, we've talked about it back, oh, I think when we talked about our, our sight fishing episode, mm, mm-hmm. but one piece that... Uh, you don't ever want to leave without is a good pair of sunglasses. You Not know, just any sunglasses. No, it, well,
1: if all you have is your one pair of sunglasses, and that's what you, wear, then take them and wear them because being out at the creek, especially when I talked about those non-shady areas, you can get a headache pretty quick just just yeah. being in that sun. reflection. So yeah. man, take some sunglasses. <laughs> if you're wanting to fish, if you're going to go fish, then you want to get a good pair of polarized sunglasses
0: for sure. Yeah. And, and they don't have to be expensive. Nope. You uh, you can go to Walmart and for $10 or even $5, there's there are polarized sunglasses. Now, are they going to last you for two years? No, but if you're just going to go out and have a few uh, days fishing at the creek, those polarized glasses will work. They take off the reflection of the water so you're able to see down better. Not only are you going to be able to see things like uh, trees that are under the water that you could throw to where a fish may be. You may actually see fish, You, but you might be able to see things like, oh my gosh, there are so many crawfish out today and they're blue. Why are they blue? I need to switch to something that looks like a blue craw. Good polarized sunglasses will make you a better fisherman if you're aware of what they're actually showing you, what they're revealing to you. So get you some sunglasses from a safety standpoint mm-hmm. and from a, a fishing standpoint as well. Uh, ben, we've... We've kind of hinted at and mentioned several of the species that are common in creeks, but let's kind of summarize. If you're going to a creek, what can you really expect to catch through much of the U.S.?
1: You know, the areas that I fish, when we're talking water levels from about your ankle, you know, so when Brian was saying a shoal earlier. If you don't know what a shoal is, it's that rapid water that's very shallow over rocks. Yeah, I mean, four, just four or five inches deep. Yeah, it's just it's that shoal is a it's very very minimal amount of water and it's usually running through some rocks or boulders or whatever that may look like and you know when you're fishing little pockets before that or after that a lot of those pockets will have some of your bigger fish and the species that i find here locally a lot is going to be number one the smallmouth number two then your sunfish and then number three some of your largemouth and then number four is the goggle eye and and those are the the four that we also seem known to as a rock bass. A rock bass, Some yes. people
0: call eye rock bass. Yep. Where we live, we call
1: them eye. Yep. And so, you know, those four plan on being ready to catch. Um, and each one hits differently, but they all hit hard. Um, and so if, here's another quick tip for you in any of those species, especially because they may be the size of your hand all the way up to, we've caught two, three, three, four pounders out of there. Mm-hmm. But um, depending on the time of year and, and uh, where we're at on the creek. But Whenever you're bringing that lure back to retrieving that lure, if you're filling bites and you're jerking and you're not getting a hook set up, then you're going to have to start downsizing the size of your bait. So make sure that your, your Ned worms or your wacky rig worms, whatever you're using, start making them smaller and smaller, and then you'll find the right size. Once you hit, you know, let's say you take the worm and you rip it in half, if they're thumping that, you're jerking it, and you're able to get them in, then that's the perfect size to use.
0: Yeah, and I would say this use as big of a bait as you can to catch those smaller fish or whatever size of the fish are there because most of these creeks have those few Mm -hmm. bigger fish that are lurking and if you're using too small it's going to be really hard it's going to lower your odds of landing those bigger fish that's good
1: yeah that's a good point but but yes if you're missing strikes you're going to find a way to, to downsize um but start big for sure
0: and there's, there's other species, too. Um, I know some there's of the creeks around here. Chain pickerel. Right. Uh, I've caught I've got into crappie pretty good in some small, small creeks before, yes. which was totally a surprise. Oh, my gosh, there's crappie here. Oh, another crappie. So you just really never know. That's one of the awesome things about a creek is is that unknown and the adventure well, and going to find it. And then your
1: accidentals, like gar.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> you
1: may find gar in some of your creeks. Matter of fact, I found a gar one time. Uh, it was an ankle-high water, and it was bedrock. So there was no loose gravel. It was bedrock, hard rock, but where the water had been flowing was a groove in the rocks. And that guard was laying in that groove. I thought it was dead. It scared I went up and I poked it with my rod and this sucker shot up and started trying to swim up river or up the creek and uh scared the fire out of me. But yeah, I mean
0: creeks have got all sorts of species in it. But I mean even there may be catfish. Yes. Um depending on where you're at, some Some of our creeks in Missouri are stocked with trout. Mm, Our state will stock them. So uh, there may be trout, but yeah, just, just try to check out, uh, see if there's any publication or anything on your state conservation agency's website about that creek before you go. Definitely at least so you know the rules, but a lot of times they'll tell you what species to expect there. And, and the best way to find out is to go do it. Another,
1: um, fun creature to to really look for um this is one that my kids gosh especially this time of year it's summer um we have the tadpoles have now probably getting into what's called the froglet stage so they're starting to have legs and they're not real fast they're kind of in between, like a tadpole can usually swim pretty quick and get away from you. But when they start getting the legs, it's kind of like they don't know what they're supposed to do. Yeah. <laughs> and
0: so they're in puberty. Yeah, yeah, they're
1: in puberty. <laughs> they're, they're crazy. And uh, and so my kids, ages four and eight, they're able to really walk around and catch them barehanded, um, which is a fun game for them to play. And then they let them go. So, you know, crawdads, another one, another thing that these kids can find within that waterway. Start looking for crawdads, finding crawdads, just really teach them how to pick them up so
0: that they don't get pinched. Right. When you go to a creek and you're going to fish, can you fish everywhere? Should you fish everywhere, or are there like indicators and things to look for that kind of steer you in the right direction? So
1: if you're able to traverse, if you're able to walk up and down your creek, and maybe it's on the bank, or maybe you have to stay in the waterway and you're walking up or down. Some things that I look for is what is different. So there have been stretches of a creek where it looks all the same. It's all the same depth. Why would there even be fish here? But I have found where there was a, basically is a limb. It was a dead limb that had been in the water. And it was on the left side and there was nothing on the right. I cast right to the limb. Guess what? That's where my fish were at. And there was about four smallmouth. When you catch one smallmouth, here come the others chasing it. And yeah. you'll actually be able to see that little school. Like, they're all chasing. They don't know what's happening, and they're all coming um and That's when you're at, like, at you. I
0: wish I had four arms <laughs> so I could throw four <laughs> yeah, baits in. <laughs> four more baits
1: because they don't hit it. Yeah, and and you, you kind of get to see what's in that little pocket real quick. Um, and so look for that little subtle difference. Yeah. What what maybe, maybe even a little bit of grass. I mean, you're getting into creeks where there's vegetation growing along next to and in the water in some of these areas. And so... Um,
0: yeah, Picking what I apart. would say is don't overlook really any spot. I mean, I'm talking. I've caught big bass, like three, four pound bass, in spots and creeks that I wouldn't think there would even be bait fish. Like just hardly any water, and for some reason, I mean, these fish, it's they act different in these creeks because yeah. their home is smaller.
1: Yeah, their home is smaller. If you find rocks that are, let's say, the size of a basketball, if there is a basketball size rock or bigger in this waterway, plan on there being some sort of fish around it, under it, next to it. Yeah. And,
0: and think of it that way. If Any kind of structure. An yeah. overhang, right. a, a, a lay down, a, a log. Uh, I caught a fish the other day. It was a huge sycamore tree. And this thing came out almost all the way across the whole creek. And it was so big that some of the limbs were touching. And it was really shallow, maybe two feet. And the limbs were all the way down to the bottom. Mm-hmm. And there was a, a, a goggle eye a rock bass. In those limbs, just because it was different, even though it was the middle of the creek, but there was shade and some kind of structure around these limbs that were sticking down on the water. Right, right. Shade is another thing to look Oof, for on these about hot that. days. Uh-huh. Just like you're hot and you want shade and sun protection and shelter, that's what these fish want. If you get in these big, hot, sunny, wide open areas, you can see really well and you're, you're not going to see a lot of fish. Maybe bait, maybe minnows and stuff swimming around. Look for those shady areas, those areas that, um, yeah, they're all alone. One tree is cast in a little shade pocket, cast over in that shade, and a lot of times you feel that tap-tap pretty quick. It doesn't you know, take long.
1: Nope, nope, you know, it's a good one. Yeah, the shade, and
0: the shade moves throughout the day, so be prepared to to find some different spots as, as time goes by. One spot you cannot overlook. We mentioned the shoals and the areas that have the faster-moving water. Um, around them, a lot of times, is going to be what's called an eddy. What an eddy is, is when there's faster moving water and then some kind of object, maybe a rock, it could be the bank, it could be just a cutout where this fast moving water is going by downstream and then something is causing it to bend and swirl and come back up river. So you actually have water moving in two different directions and in the middle of that will be a calm spot where these fish can sit and ambush all the bait that's getting pushed down this current. I never don't cast in an eddy. If yeah. I see an eddy, I yeah. cast in it, and I usually cast in it two, three, four times, and I usually get a bite.
1: Yeah, it, it is such a good spot. You know, kayakers use these spots to rest. Mm-hmm. That's an area where you literally get and you can set still in one spot. But that's the, that's the tough part. If you're kayaking and you see them, it is tough especially you're fishing um, out of your kayak you don't want to blow that area out by resting in it with your kayak fish it first before you go up and and rest your boat in that water right
0: yep and another thing to be aware of um is springs we read a definition earlier uh from field and stream and, and they thought for them again subjective definition uh creeks didn't have springs for us I mean, all of our creeks have springs. They have springs. A lot of them are formed by springs.
1: Guys, you can feel, when you're walking along the creek, you can feel areas where springs are coming in right under your yeah, feet.
0: it's like 5, 10 degrees colder with the water. It's colder. Yeah. And then
1: if you really set still and watch, you can see the substrate, as is, is Brian's calling it, which is usually sand or gravel where I'm at, you can see it moving on the bottom where this is actually mm-hmm. coming up from the ground. It's it's neat first off, but to say that our creeks don't have springs would be that'd be berserk.
0: Why I bring up springs is this: be aware of them. Sometimes they're small, sometimes they're big. Try to identify where they're at, and the reason is is that oxygen and water temperature are indirectly proportional. And what I mean by that is, as one goes up, the other goes down. So. If water temperature is going up getting hotter the oxygen level dissolved oxygen content in the water is going down so obviously if a spring is colder you're getting colder colder water now we know that our dissolved oxygen level in the water is going up and that's what these fish want they want breathe they want comfort more oxygen in the water means more comfort for these fish especially on these hot 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 days when we are going to the creeks so if you find cold water you're going to find likely fish. You're going to find more bait fish. You're going to find bigger game fish around these springs. And and we have a story from our last trip that is perfect for that. We went to an area and we were fishing in, I mean, at least 30 minutes, maybe 45 minutes. We didn't catch anything. We were only planning on being there for a couple hours. And, and Ben and I were like... We're doing all this stuff we're talking about. The rods, the line, the baits, the areas, the shade, the things we're looking for. I think I had zero bites and you maybe had one bite. You had one bite. And then all of a sudden I cast up to an area. And to be honest, it was an area that I have caught. Like the exact spot I cast is the spot that I've cast in the past and caught a fish. Casted there, caught a fish. It was a nice, actually a keeper size, goggle eye. We weren't keeping any fish. So I threw it back and then we proceeded to catch a few more fish there. Well, then I got snagged and I actually had to go over there to that area. And when I got over to that area, I said, oh my gosh, Ben, there's a spring right here. And off of this bluff, it was kind of a little bluff rock wall. The spring was seeping out of this crack and you could actually see, I'm talking six inches wide. That's it. This current and feel the cold, cold water. And all these fish were sitting right there, and we caught most of our fish off of that one tiny little spot just because there was a spring there. And you couldn't see it unless you were right on top of it.
1: Yeah, and, you know, talking about these spots, they do change throughout the year. We get flooding, um, you know, maybe where you live, you get a, that seasonal flood. And your creeks, how they run, the depth of them will all change due to really what the flood does to that, how it's changing the, the what's what it's bringing in or taking out. And so that's something that Brian brings up a good point I didn't think of until now is we've had some really good, I've had some really good, awesome fishing spots in some of my creek areas. And after a massive flood, I went back and those spots have gone. They've changed and and they didn't hold fish anymore. And so um, if you find a spot that holds fish, it's going to hold fish until that spot completely changes. And so never forget your fishing spots, people. Uh They're good. Keep them.
0: Ben, on these uh, these couple trips that you've been on when you've taken your son and his buddies this year, uh, how would you guys catch them? I mean, did you guys catch very many? What did you catch, and, and how exactly were you doing it? Tell, tell us some of that.
1: Yeah, I actually started off by using um, really crappie baits. If you have crappie baits, that's another great thing. Guys, gals, basically anything that's small that looks like a minnow or a crawdad, that's what you're trying to mimic. Throw it and use it. We tried using those small little tiny baits, and um, really, they weren't doing very well. They were having a hard time kind of reeling them back in and, and giving them the action they needed. And so I thought, you know what? this lure catches more fish than any other. It's won more bass tournaments than any other. Let's Why not use it right here right now? And so I took um, for both of them, I had a 16th ounce hook that had some weed guards coming out of it. And it's designed to rig a, what's called a Cinco or a stick bait wacky. And you, you rig it, you, you put it right in the middle of your worm. And I took a, it was a five inch and I ripped them in half and I gave one to one kid and the other half to the other. And so we're talking, this thing was about maybe, I'm going to say two inches. I know it's going to be an inch and set whatever. <laughs> two and a half. Inches. Two and a half. And, um, I hooked them on wacky and first cast, they started catching bluegill. I mean, the bluegill were actually annihilating these things. I didn't think a bluegill could get that size of a of a worm in there, and it, it did. I mean, it was it was smallmouth. And then we started catching some smallmouth. After that, we started bringing it out off from the bank, fishing a little deeper and down deep were some of these bigger rocks. I'm telling you, like the basketball size, and that's where these smallmouth were hanging out. And What's, they
0: were what size were these smallmouth you're catching?
1: You know, the I would say the biggest one we caught was probably. Seven inches long, yeah.
0: So little guys, but
1: yep so much. So fun much. To catch. Well, when you're fishing light tackle,
0: how are the boys reacting? Oh,
1: they're having a blast, like they just kept they didn't want to stop, yeah. You know, that's that's what they wanted to keep fishing. So, because they started catching fish, they what I'm going to call is kind of fished out this hole and the bite stopped, but they didn't, yeah. They just kept going and going and going, and then they'd, they'd get a little payout, you know, they'd finally catch one they at the end and they at and high five and, but the coolest part. And we talked about this in our last podcast. The coolest part for me though, was, was watching them learn and figure things out on their own in that experiential learning. Like you can teach people what to take and you can teach people how to rig them up and, and we can talk about all this stuff, but until you go do it, it's so different. And watching these boys learn how to get unhung, learn how to unwrap their twisted lines and, and, just all the things that, that you do when you fish, that was the most rewarding. That was the most fun for me is, is being a dad, not intervening, not doing it for them, letting them work through the problem.
0: Did they stick to catching fish, or did they catch trees and each other and their sisters? and You
1: know, a little bit of all that. Yeah, I had to make sure that, that the little girls weren't swimming in their area, right? Yeah. Keeping them back. That's That's something else you have to do. If you're taking kids to the creek, whether you're going to be fishing, or letting them fish you must keep your eyes on your kids it's not a time to to let your guard down you you do need to keep your eyes on them and that's what's nice about taking two or three adults having them with you one can be on lifeguard duty and let the others relax and you guys take turns but lifeguard duty is so important i find that there's a lot of parents that check out um only because i see them i see them over there they're laying tanning and their kids are out swimming and and i'm here to tell you like that's that isn't wise so be the lifeguard when you need to be the lifeguard um let your kids go out and play in it explore in it gosh it is just i want to go i want to go right now but but like to answer brian's question that's what we used um when it started getting a little more difficult uh maybe the current we were we went down a little bit and and some of the flow was a little faster we went to a ned rig and started kind of fishing on the bottom and they they started catching more fish that way but they started hanging up more and that's more that's snags, more yeah. snags where they had to walk up to it and and to get their their lure unhung so that's what we used that was working well for us and that's what we would continue to do um for the region that we live
0: how many how many fish you think you guys caught between um that, day that, were that there day that day yeah. that we're there i'm gonna say uh probably 15. yeah that, and that that's what's so awesome about the creek is there there's gonna be numbers and mm-hmm. You don't have to be an expert caster. You don't have to even tie the, tie the bait on well, like go out there, throw, throw something small around and and you'll get some bites. Is there still a fishing aspect to it of got to figure out where they're at and well, sure. But being out there is what's going to help you be a better outdoorsman and a better fisherman and, and create that out outdoor awareness that you have to be out there to go do it. Um, you know, Ben, you and I went, I guess that's probably our most recent trip, um, Last week, was that last week? Yeah, yeah, just yeah, yeah, not three or four days ago. Mm -hmm. Um, We just had a couple hours set aside to go um, really just right here in town, just about three, four miles from the house. And this area that we went, you could walk and wade most of it. It was a spot where the creek gets kind of deep. We'll call it a pool for, I don't know. What, how long do you think that was? An eighth of a mile? Maybe that. Maybe, idea. not very big it's, at all. No. But it was deep enough. You could walk, but also deep enough that we could put your kayak in and go back and forth. Mm-hmm. Couldn't really go up or down. Just had that one little tiny stretch. And, and we did. We put our kayaks in. I got really hot. And that's what's so awesome. I got out and, and wade fish for a while. I always take an anchor and I will anchor my kayak off in a little shallow area. And then I'll wade fish around it. So my my boat's there doing its thing, and then I can cool off and and get to some areas that I can't to can't in my kayak. Just kind of wade fish around. Um, but we caught some fish. But like I said, it was hard to start with. There were a couple other guys out there, so maybe these fish were a little pressured. It was again. It was like it was 98 degrees, super hot. We figured out we had to have small baits. We had to have really that one color that I had and I just had a couple of them was the best color. And we figured out that around this, this spring that we found was really the best spot. we got a couple other bites around some structure and things. Um, but I think we ended up catching combined about 10 fish in the couple hours we out there and I lost three, you lost a couple. So again, we probably had 15, 16 bites just out there for a couple hours and so much fun. I do have to tell on myself, we caught a bunch of small fish. We caught smallmouth, we caught some largemouth bass, we caught uh, some goggle eye. I think that was about it species-wise, just so sturdy. Um, I actually, we had fished the spring, then I went on down, and you kind of fished that spring area for a while.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I worked it over from shallow to deep.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. and then I started coming back down. I said, you know what, I'm going to go back up to the end of this, and I just want to fish it one more time because I hadn't fished this other area with this bait that I've been getting bites on. But I had to throw him that spring one more time. And I threw in there. And as soon as I did, I mean, I threw in, I'm gonna say 10 inches of water right up two foot from the edge, from the bank. My line started racing towards me so fast, and I leaned back. I never felt a bite. And I said, Oh, that's a good one. Well, when I set the hook, I rolled the fish over and I saw that it was large mouth bass. I said, Oh Ben, that's a good that's a good fish. It's a largie," And I'm kind of fighting it fighting this fish in my kayak and all of a sudden it's so hard to keep leverage on him in a kayak this thing I can feel it coming up to jump and I'm reeling really fast and this thing comes up and jumps and it was like a three pound largemouth I'm gonna Whew. guess yeah it was a really nice, nice largemouth yeah. bass but as he came up I literally saw my bait come shooting back at me but again when you're catching bigger fish and I'm using a tiny little 16th ounce head with a little bitty wire hook it is hard to keep those bigger fish on um, that size bait and, and line and, and rod and reel, but do know that possibility is there. We've caught is. a bunch of small ones, hooked one big one. Unfortunately, it's the one that got away.
1: And, and that's why we went to this spot. We knew that it, in the past, had big fish, mm-hmm. and that's why it was worth going, even though it's a really tiny stretch that's it's just a tiny place to go fishing. Yep. We wanted to go do it because we knew there were some bigger fish there, and that's, that's what brings the excitement. You know... <laughs> Uh, it, it reminds me of a story, though, of using little baits. When me and my buddies used to go wade um, some of our local creeks, you know, it was usually in the summertime. We'd be at a school, and uh, our parents would drop us off at the creek, and we'd hang together, and we'd walk up and down these creeks and fish them. And I, a lot of the times, use those rebel, small, little bitty crankbaits. And the reason is because... I thought they were the coolest things ever. Like they were so fun to to buy all the different colors and keep in my kit because I love equipment. I love to buy it all.
0: Well, much like the definition of a creek, opinions on baits are subjective, and I got to <laughs> share mine. They ain't that good.
1: Well, this time the the crawdad version of the rebel is is pretty good, and you can get big versions for the lake, but uh, this is a
0: little tiny. I need to apologize to to Brandon Freeman. Friend of the podcast. He's been on the podcast before. I know you love him, but they ain't that good, brother.
1: You know, he actually, this, speaking of him. Was the, he there for this story? Yes. And this was his family's uh, stretch of the of the land that, that they own there at the creek. And uh, the big, huge boulder underwater. It was like, there's only one. And it was just this big boulder. And we have been fishing by it several times. But I switched over to that little Rebel Crawdad crankbait. And as I threw it by that big boulder and brought it out, a bluegill, I say bluegill, it, could, it was a sunfish of some sort. It smacked this thing, and I'm reeling it, which I had the drag set real light so you can kind of play them a little bit, and it's pulling drag. And I'm I'm reeling, reeling, this thing's pulling, pulling, and I'm not kidding you, which I know it was about two and a half pounds now, but it came out from under this boulder, slammed that bluegill. We're talking about, is it a bass? It was a largemouth bass. He hit that bluegill, that somehow he held on to the bluegill. So when I reeled everything in, and it took a little while, when I got everything in and I pulled it out of the water, I had a largemouth and a bluegill on that little Rebel crankbait.
0: Was the largemouth hooked on the hook, or was he just attached to the fish?
1: He had bit the fish and was attached to the fish, and that's what caught it. I did nothing, no hook from the Rebel crankbait actually touched the bass. bass. It didn't.
0: That's amazing.
1: You know, it'll never happen again in my lifetime, and I don't know. I don't know if the bass could have let go. Um, I just know that I grabbed him as quick as I could. You know, we've got some videos. I think we put up on TikTok too. But um, when bass lock down, like sometimes they really don't let go. I had a I had a bass that had had really was holding on to my thumb, and I was trying to release him out on the water's edge. He was underwater, and I'm trying to release him, and he's still holding on to my thumb. And it took a little bit to let go. So, you know, that's another thing. Um, Brian and I have caught fish before out on the lake where you reel it all the way in and <laughs> you you grab that lip and as soon as you do in the open mouth you realize you really didn't have the hook set they just they held on to it the whole time so it was such a fun story I know a lot of my friends remember that um, but that was all in a creek yeah. and. Man, that's why I love creeks today. They're well, just so that's much fun. What,
0: that's what it, the creek is really about is going and, and making memories. And every time you go, you're you're going to make memories. You're going to have stories to tell from, from time at the creek. Hopefully, everybody listening is excited about creek as we are. Like I want to go. Like Ben said, I yeah. want to go right now. As soon as we're done with this, I want to go load up and go to the creek.
1: And you said load up. And, and there's a couple things that people still need to take that okay. I haven't finished with. Um, And so when you're loading up and planning for this you need something comfortable to set in. Take some camping chairs, take long chairs, whatever chairs you have that you can set in. That is so much more comfortable than setting on these, these gravel beds, these gravel bars. Um, what we take for the kids is we take some pretty thick blankets. So we'll take blankets out. We don't take chairs for them. We take blankets, lay that out and let them crawl, roll, sit, play, eat on. I mean, it's, it's their area to kind of set in and cool down and, and eat on. So, um, there's probably more items that I take for fun, but those really are that necessity that I always pack. Um, when you say off the cuff, "Hey, let's go," those are those things. Everything we've talked about today, I'm grabbing, I'm throwing in, um, because I want it to, to not only be comfortable, but but fun for both me and my kids.
0: Yeah, Ben, those are those are awesome tips. I know some people like to take their dogs. Uh, it, it's a great place for dogs to go have fun. i would just say, be respectful, and if there are other people there or other dogs, make sure your dog is is sticking around and, and staying with you and, and not affecting other people. Uh, where where can people go do this though, Ben? Like somebody's probably listening and going all right, this sounds cool, but where the heck am I supposed to get the opportunity to do this at?
1: You know, the saying goes, it isn't what you know, it's who you know. That's the first place to start. Like, who do you know that has maybe areas that they'd allow you to go? That would be the number one thing I would tell you. And the reason is because if somebody owns it and it's a private area, most of the time, if I mean, especially if you get permission to go, most of the time there's not people there. Right. And so it allows you this just... Awesome solitude. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But... We don't always know everybody, and we don't always have those uh, re, you know, relationships or connections. But and also, so,
0: don't be afraid to ask. Oh, yes. The worst yes. thing that somebody could say is, no. no. <laughs> if you know a landowner near you that that has access to a creek, yeah. or maybe there's just a spot you've driven over before, and you're like, man, I, that just looks like an awesome place to spend a Friday afternoon, roll in there and ask. Mm-hmm. Call them up, look up their phone numbers, send them a message on Facebook, whatever it is, ask them. If they tell you no, well then who cares? Find somebody else to ask. Yeah,
1: roll on exactly. You know, from there, uh, you know, kind of thinking about friends, neighbors, those those people. Getting into then, what does my city own, and what does my state own, and maybe get into big like what's federal, but but start l- locally. What can you go? Where can you go? And within your city, what does your city have? Does it have creeks? Does it have rivers? Mm-hmm. Um, they may not allow that, and that's why they have the city pool, and you'd have to go to the pool instead. Um, but start with your city, look that up, and then within your state, uh, are there state parks yep. that, that are there? Um, a
0: lot of our state parks here close to us all have creeks running through them, yes, and, the and anybody's free to go hang out. So uh, there are some really busy areas, but if you're willing to hike in a little further... Or go where everyone else isn't then you can still get that solitude and have the same enjoyment as going on private land
1: right exactly and there's another it's actually called core land the core owns different areas of of engineers of stretches of creeks and rivers and so you know it may be there may be a core access that you can get to that's public and then as you go up and down you may be moving into like private land so Mm -hmm. be just be cautious be careful do your research ask
0: around figure out where you can and can't go Um, but start there, start small, start in your backyard. If you see somebody on social media posting about being at the Creek, ask them if you're wanting a place to go, Hey, where did y'all go? And maybe it's a neighbor they knew or a friend and, or maybe it's a state park you never heard of. If you see people out enjoying the Creek posting about it, ask them, They'll, they'll steer you in the right direction so that you can go enjoy it too. One thing that I want to say is do not go where you're not supposed to. Correct. Whether it is just because, the the reason doesn't matter, I guess is what I should say. Whether it's just because it's not your land and you shouldn't be there, or maybe it's a state-owned property and they've identified it as a place that's dangerous and they've said, hey, don't get in this creek. Don't get in it. And I want to share a story. And Ben, this happened yesterday. It was in Pennsylvania. It was a state-owned property. It was a creek that flows into a small, like, thousand-acre lake. Hmm. Okay, I haven't heard this. A man and his two children, a man in his 30s and his two children were swimming in a creek that they were not supposed to be swimming in. Uh, the reason they weren't supposed to be swimming in it, the reason the state identified it as dangerous is because it had these drop-offs, these steep holes and areas in it that you couldn't really see and that you could easily fall into. Um, they were in it. The kids began to struggle. They were, they were drowning. And the dad stepped in to save them, pulled them out, got them safe. And then began to struggle himself and got pushed out into that lake and he died. This was just yesterday. They recovered his body. I think this morning he was 25 feet from the bank. He Mm. was 25 feet from the bank. Mm -hmm. Don't go where you're not supposed to go. There is a reason. Um, and whatever the reason is, it's a good enough reason. Go places that you're supposed to have permission, stay safe. Don't get in fights. Don't, don't be disrespectful to other people. And, And most of all, If you never got to go to a creek, but you were still safe and sound and and got to just listen to us on the podcast talk about creeks, that's better than going someplace that you're not supposed to be in and drowning.
1: Yeah, let me echo this note, this point here. There's been a debate on who owns what, right? You get this landowner versus the public, like the landowner doesn't own the water, but he owns the land. And then some people say, well, he doesn't own even the land under the water, Here's what I want to really just share. Like, if you are in an area that's got purple on any trees, if they got signs up to say stay out, it doesn't matter who owns the water or not. They own the land, and you shouldn't be cutting through. You shouldn't be going through there unless you have permission. And end of story, end of story. If if there's purple on the trees, if there's, you know, no trespassing, if you don't have permission, then don't go. It doesn't matter. It isn't worth it, and... Really, honestly, you should respect the landowner. And if you did respect the landowner, you would call and you would talk to them. And majority of the time, especially before all this, the issues even started rising, when people call to get permission, most of the time people would let them go. But because of the disrespect, because of the damage that's that's now occurring, um, a lot of these landowners that own the land around the creeks on each side aren't letting people go. And it's because people are being disrespectful, rude, and, and um, wrong.
0: Absolutely. Let's close with this, Ben. Somebody is taking our advice. They've asked a landowner. They've went to their state website. They found a place they can go play in the creek. They go to the creek. Now what's their responsibility? And I, I this is a pet peeve of yours. That's yes. why I really want you to yes. share this. Um, what, what's the next step?
1: Well, here's why landowners get so mad. This, this is what sets us up. It could someone get hurt and the lawsuits and all that yeah but but most of the time people that's not even the problem the problem is is that when the landowner shows up to go swim and play and bring their family to what they own they find that people have left trash and i'm not talking about all one little kit cat or snickers bar trash i'm talking people are stinking pigs and they're not cleaning up after themselves Here's one example. I was there a week or week or so ago at the creek. I get down there and I'm so excited to be there. And I get down and I get to where I can see, oh, you know, 40 yards down way, and I see that somebody has left trash everywhere. And so I go to approach, and it's busted glass bottles. The most disgusting part of it that I found was a diaper had poop in it. A diaper. Some second disgusting, and this is what makes me so frustrated. They picked up their their dog's turds. They did. They picked them up, and they left it hanging in a tree. Like, especially this time of year, you know, 4th of July is just wrapped up, and people want to go celebrate down there, and they will leave all their beer bottles, and they'll leave all their fireworks trash. You know, I have found flip-flops and underwear. I even found uh, one piece of a bathing suit, you know, The point is, is is pick up after yourself. If everybody cleaned up after themselves, our waterways not only would be so much more healthier, people would would feel okay with letting more people use their property because they're leaving it better than they found it. And I'm not talking about the flooding that happens from the city and pushes the debris down. I'm talking you show up and it's half burnt diapers, uh, tin cans that they've tried to burn up like... You need to be, if you are going to the creek, whether it be public or private, you should be taking a trash bag with you. And when you find trash, you should be picking it up. And we should get to a point where there is no trash because people are picking up after themselves. If you can't pick up after yourselves, then you should not have the right, nor should you be in these areas using it at all. I get accidents. I get mistakes. This isn't that. This is people deliberately leaving their waste and trash behind. It's disrespectful. It's rude. It's wrong. Knock it off. That's what I got to say.
0: Yeah. So find a place for sure. Leave it at the very least the way that you found it. Better yet, leave it better than you found it. Better than you found it, yes. Please. I know, Ben, when you take your kids, uh, you guys always pick, pick up. up trash that's there. Oh,
1: one more thing there. When you talk about glass, be careful. Don't let kids pick this stuff up. Uh, you know, we've taken – sometimes you just have to take, like, a plastic jug or something, a metal container – don't be throwing your the busted glass bottles in the trash bag that you take. It's dangerous. It causes more problems. Um, so be careful around that glass. And that's why, you know, on our local waterways, they don't allow glass mm-hmm. out, containers out on our lakes and stuff. And it, it should be the same way when you go to the creek. Leave your glass um, at home. Take plastic. Take whatever. Take aluminum. Whatever. Um, pick up after yourself. Uh, if you are going to clean it up, be careful. Clean it up, up. Absolutely. Stuff.
0: We definitely want you guys to find a creek. Go have a good time. Take a fishing rod because creek fishing, often overlooked, but my goodness, it is such a good time. It is. Cool off in the summer. Post some pictures. Throw them up on our, our Facebook page or our, our podcast Q&A page. Show us you and your family having fun at the creek. We would, we would love to know that you are out uh, taking advantage of, of God's creation. Again, follow our Facebook, our podcast, our Instagram, our TikTok. Like, review, subscribe, do all of that stuff to help our podcast grow. We will be back next week with a brand new episode. Until that time, we hope that you are finding a creek to spend some time outdoors in. And always remember that you are meant to be outdoors. Thank you for listening to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, hosted by Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandel. Please help us by subscribing. Also, follow along on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook.